0: beautiful and what i really want to know is what is good in your life today this is kia and you're listening to the season three premiere of the female veterans podcast you will not believe who i have with me today okay this woman she is so amazing (laughs) Okay, nine years in the Army for starters. An entrepreneur, a pageant winner. She is a renowned beauty and fashion expert. She appears on the local news for ABC and Fox in DC, our nation's capital. She formed an officer and a gentlewoman LLC, which produces so much amazing things. Wait till you hear about it. I'm going to let her tell you that. She's won numerous awards, both in the military and after. She has an amazing family with six robots, and she's just a super cool lady. So I am so honored to have Miss Raquel Riley Thomas with me here today. Thank you so much for being here.
1: You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me too as well. I really appreciate
0: it. Oh, it's a high honor. I love everything that you're doing. I love to watch pageants for starters and to see the girls look beautiful and have, you know, um, beautiful platforms is just really exciting to me. So I love that. And um and I'm so interested in your military story. Now I know that you started off as a photojournalist. So I have lots of questions about that. You're clearly very very, very talented. In fact, I will say this. I had um to submit some a logo and a photo Mm -hmm. to your organization for, you know, the marketing for this episode. And I got back some really cool work right. and I said, this is really great. Your graphic artist is so talented. Thank you for sending me this. And I was told that the graphic artist
1: was out that day <laughs> yeah. and it was you. It was me. I had to do, <laughs> I did. I, I I wanted to make sure that I, I put something out that made sense to the community and, and, also embraced what you are doing with this podcast which i'm extremely honored to be a part of i think it was very important that the the ad said something that made sense for not only myself but the community as well as for yourself and he was out and I said, Well, we got to get this done and I'm going to do it myself. So I did three ads. I sent them to Sandal. She said, Thumbs up and sent them to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're
0: amazing. I can't wait for everyone to see them.
1: Right. So, <laughs> so,
0: let me start with the first question that I ask everyone
1: sure. What
0: made you join the military?
1: What made me join the military? Initially was the fact that my mother, as well as my grandmother and my aunt, all served in the United States Army. Can you believe it? Oh my! I can't, like I can't. You often hear about a legacy
0: for yeah. some, being the reason why someone joined, but you hardly ever hear that
1: it's a female
0: legacy. I am like so blown away. That's really amazing.
1: So they were in not too long. I was the one who stayed in the longest, and even to this day, I still need to some of the things I need to, you know, do in the back of my head is to really go and research some of the things that they actually did in the military. I do know that my grandmother was a musician in the military. She was she was a violin virtuoso, and she had the opportunity to play with the military band. And I knew that my my mother also played with the band too because she played the drums. So I come from a, from, a, uh, from a musical background. My grandmother put the Jacksons on their very first talent show back in Gary, Indiana. Her name oh is Shirley, Shirley E. Cartman. A lot of people assume that uh, Diana Ross was the one who discovered the Jacksons. But truth be told, let's put it out there to the universe now. And I'm putting it out here on your podcast that wow. actually... It was Shirley E. Cartman who discovered the Jacksons and put them on their first talent show. And Tito Jackson was in her class. She gave him a D because he could not (laughs) read music. (laughs) She she wrote a book called A Teacher Remembers the Jacksons and she put that in there. Yes, ma'am. Oh my
0: goodness. That is so incredible.
1: Everyone's hearing it first. Oh, you heard it here.
0: Um, that's a big, big piece of news. It was not Diana Ross. It was not Diana Ross, no, ma'am. Wow, that is amazing, and you heard it here first. So, you have a legacy of amazing women in your family. It sounds like, and artists because you did photography.
1: Yes. Now, now to go back a little bit, I actually started out in the musical field too as well. I. Played the drums in an r and b band when I was a teenager, so I got that from my from my mother. she played the drums too as well, and I also played the violin so it was interesting because I ended up go and it ended up going into production because my grandma was always putting on these productions. she was a music teacher, so uh, mm-hmm. hence that's why you know she was tito jackson's music teacher, and so she was always putting on these productions and always having a camera around and it just kind of fell into my lap that way. So when I did go into the military, they asked, you know, what job did I want? And I said, I wanted to be, to do something that was involved with some type of, you know, photography or journalism. And so they said, well, you know, you can be a photojournalist. So I became a photojournalist as, enlist, as an enlisted soldier. So when I first went in, I was enlisted. I was a 46 Quebec, which is a photojournalist. I was stationed at Fort Meade, Maryland and um and then from there and if you want to if you want me to keep going i can but i but i just wanted to tell you that's how it started out with the photography so photography really came from my family too as well i just didn't really realize how much it would influence me later on down the line though
0: Mm -hmm. that's incredible so so incredible women in your family yes Artists, musicians, yes, and you ended up going in, in as an enlisted personnel. So, yes. what was boot camp like for you?
1: Oh, <laughs> boot camp was was strenuous. I have this funny story that I'm I'm I'm, I'm writing a book, and uh, I, I'll let you know about that later on. But I'm writing a book, a, an autobiography, that pretty much uh, talks a little bit about this particular story that I'm, I'm going to tell you. So. For those who are listening, when you go into boot camp, they expect you to just simply bring you know, your, your underwear, your T-shirts, your socks, those sort of things, your personal items, and that's it. You're going to go there and they're going to give you everything else. But I thought that I could get around that and I was going to bring some of some things that were personal to me. Now I know everyone has for the most part has, you know, some type of um some something in their house that they love a lot. They may have a pair of slippers that they like. They have a pair, you know, they may actually have a robe that they like. I happen to have these Snoopy slippers. I will I'm still mad about this every time I think about this story. <laughs> I had these Snoopy slippers I loved them to death, but I put them at the bottom of my bag thought I could get away with it when I got to basic training what do they do they dump all your stuff on the ground as soon as you get off the bus and at the bottom of my bag was my was my snoopy slippers so when I when they dumped my bag when the drill sergeant dumped my bag guess what popped out those snoopy slippers and they ragged me so hard they just <laughs> told me that how dare you even bring something like this you're not at home they just I mean they just tore me to pieces right then There, I was doing push-ups and sit-ups I mean my world just changed I mean like instantly I was 17 years old and the drill sergeant god bless her she oh I mean a satan with a with a a hat is what I called her she (laughs) looked at me and she was like you will never see these again and it broke my complete heart at that moment, because they were my favorite, I had had them for so many years. Uh, my my godmother had gotten them for me when I was much younger, so they were you know they were too big when I first got them, and of course I could wear them by the time I was seventeen. And it was it was heartbreaking. It was like somebody took my favorite blanket from me. And I know that people are on the podcast are probably laughing about this, but I was really hurt. It just so happens this past Christmas, my husband found a pair. <laughs> of those Snoopy slippers that literally look just like them. And I have been wearing them around the house all the time. <laughs> so I'm so happy. This is like 40 years later.
0: <laughs> First of all, that's an amazing story. 40
1: years later, I was like, I got Snoopy. I, and I. it was so sad. And I started crying when I got, when I opened the that's Snoopy But not the rest of the gifts for Christmas, but those Snoopy slippers meant so much to me. He found it because it was very hard to find these particular kind. They had the little, you know, had the little ears and so forth. It was just a particular time back then, back in, you know, in, you know, 1990. And so that was that Um, basic training was tough. However, it, so, you know, besides that it was very tough, but it did teach me a lot about leadership and a lot about teamwork. So, you know, for any of those young ladies out there who are thinking about going into the military, I I will tell you that if you are not a team player, if you are the only child and, you, and you've never shared anything, you, those things will go away very quickly when you get to basic training because you have to depend on your comrade on the left and right of you immediately when you get there, when you get to your rooms, when you get, um, when you are on the range, when you're on the firing range, everything is about teamwork and how to make sure that you are able to depend on the person to the left or right of you. And, and also, you know, and depend on their expertise because everybody has something special about them that they can do a little better than you. So instead of you hating on it, you embrace it because you know that you can At the end of the day, you can accomplish this mission together because everybody has their own expertise in things. Mm -hmm. So I definitely learned that in basic training. I agree with that.
0: I learned that too. I mean, I remember we would trade off tasks. Like I was really yes. good at doing boots and yes. everybody would be like, okay, I'll stencil for you. Right. If you do my boots or yes. I'll trade this for you. And that's, that's, it was currency almost because I,
1: I was the, I was the one who
0: could press uniforms.
1: And <laughs> See, we would have done and, a and trade. And <laughs> say, All right. So I could do the, uni- so I could do the uniforms. I knew how to make a bed. I was good at making beds, so, but we had e- each one of us, we, that's what we did. So we could, you know, constantly get like the best, you know, best room in the barracks. We would trade off, as you said, you know, someone mm-hmm. would do the boots. Someone would do, I'm so glad that you got to, you could do boots because I couldn't shine a boot. Oh girl. They I was, like was <laughs> pouring water. I, I just could never get the, the perfect combination of water and, and the, was the black wax? I forgot mm-hmm. what you yeah. uh-huh. I could never get I could never get it. So I was really happy when the army came out with the, you know, with the, uh, with the, <laughs> with the boots that already had the the patent leather at the tip. I was like, Hey, I know we shouldn't be wearing these, but I'm wearing them. <laughs> I could never get my boots shined oh the heck out of a uniform though. Yeah. I even had the I even had the, the, I even had the, you know, the, the part in the back, the little, you know, crease in the back that you're not, that was not you're not You were not supposed to have, but I had the crease in the back. And our drill sergeants were like, "So you guys are just walking around here like you're in a pageant." I was like, "Pageant," which I thought was really interesting because now look, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. Um,
0: Who that's funny. Known? Who would have known? What a coincidence, right? <laughs> right. Years later,
1: <laughs> it's like, what do you think you guys are in a pageant? Oh,
0: you funny. know what? The, the slippers. And then that came full circle, and then the pageant, and then that hey, came full like, circle. full circle. It was meant to be. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, they say what's meant for you can't pass you by, right? Amen, amen. <laughs> so, so tell me then. After boot camp, actually, I have another question before that one. Sure. Did you make any connections in boot camp that lasted beyond, like, with any of your your boot camp sisters?
1: I did for a while afterward however when I went the the challenge that happened for me well not challenge but the situation that happened for me is that I went to Korea so when I got stationed in Korea I kind of lost track of everyone because back then we didn't have social media Mm and you know back in 95 that I went Mm -hmm. I believe and I just lost track of a lot of people and then I became an officer. So you already know from that perspective, coming back uh, as, a, as an ordinance officer, I just lost track of a, a lot of people. There's a few people that I still stay in contact with at, from the officer perspective, but enlisted, no, not so much. Mm-hmm. I wish I, I should try to find some of them. That, that would be interesting, especially the ones who went to basic training with me. That would be really cool if I could find them. That would be, that'd be really awesome. I agree. I always think about it. People on the podcast (laughs) went to basic training with (laughs) me and I guess they were not we remember you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll come out. Maybe I'll
0: hear from them. They'll send me an email or find me on Facebook or Instagram and tell right. me. <laughs> yes. awesome. That would be I'm awesome. I'm I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting for some girls from my boot camp to do that too. I'm just like oh, sooner or later, God. I'm always like Sunny Woolsey. <laughs> if you hear this podcast, hit me up. Like I'm always doing the same thing because I lost touch. I mean, I agree, I was there in the nineties and we didn't have we still had you know regular
1: phones right. plugged into the wall and, and no and you were um, lucky to use it you were lucky to use it <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and and no you know social media so it's hard to keep in touch with especially your boot camp sisters, but right. yeah, I definitely know that feeling you had in boot camp with those slippers too. But mine was oh. different. Mine was my hair. So oh. yes. So here's my story. I can't remember if I told it on this podcast. I think I did on the first, very first episode. So I went to um they had just approved braids. As being um, satisfactory for the Navy. Oh, well, and um, so I did all the research and I talked to my recruiter, and they were like, Yeah, yeah, you can go to boot camp and wear braids because I thought it would be easier, right? Right, right. <laughs> so yeah. little did I know, I get there to boot camp. The first night when my company is formed, they take us all through and, you know, they go through all our stuff and they tell you what you have to ship home and everything was a little different. It wasn't right, right. When I got there, it was a few hours into the night that that happened. And so I also had to send things home that i thought that i would be able to keep so i identified with that but they didn't
1: they didn't didn't let us take ours home they trashed them No, no they (laughs) sent it
0: home they they like boxed it up like in front of your face like i mean but it was like everything we kept nothing like all the underwear all the everything that that i brought they were just it was like they opened it up they looked through it and they were like this goes and they just boxed it up. Like and I was just like, Oh my God, everything was replaced though at the, at the store on the boot right. camp side and everything. But, but, um, after that they took us to go to get haircuts, right? Cause yes. we guys in our company right. and my, I will never forget my company commander was like, those have to go. And I was oh, like, no. what? I, and she was like, they're not satisfactory. And she was like, you either get them out or we're going to shave your head. Oh, and I was just like, "Oh, like I mean, you have oh individual <laughs> yeah. no, and Do
1: they do they not understand how long that takes to put them in? <laughs> oh, clearly <my> God. not. <laughs> or to take them out.
0: Every girl <laughs> in my company was just like, and they just came over and started helping me. Oh. And it went really fast. It was like uh, half an hour. Oh wow. All of the girls started helping me take them down. They did not down. want you to
1: get your head shaved. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It that's, it was that's what I mean. Crazy. It's like team effort immediately. There is no there was no there were no color issues. There was no drama and mm-hmm. it was you know, it, diversity was there you get it, but at the same time it was not even about it wasn't even about that. It was simply about please help we are all in this together. Yes. We all yes. survive. color and we need help because yes. if one doesn't get through, none of us get through. <laughs> you're pulling your you're pulling your battle buddy. Let's go, we gotta get this done.
0: Mm-hmm. No man left behind. Right?
1: No man left behind. I, I I use that with my daughters now. I use mm-hmm. that same philosophy, you don't ever leave like in regards to them being sisters, do not ever leave a man behind. You never leave your sister behind.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I use that actually, and I coach podcasting as well. And oh, nice. I use that with my students all the time. I'm like, we're going to get through this course, and no one's going to get left behind. Let's get each other through it. Let's all cross the finish line. So it still sticks with you, you know? Right. So, um, okay. So, boot camp. I think for both of us was pretty wild. And you said that after boot camp you went to Korea. So what was your active duty enlisted experience like? Right. And how did you become an officer?
1: Sure. So when I first went into the military, I was, I was in the reserve and then I stayed on in the reserve for about a year and a half. And I started to really like what I was doing. So I thought that I could just go ahead and reenlist and go ahead and, you know, make, go ahead and go active duty. Um, the challenge with that was, was that apparently photojournalism was not available at that time. So I had to become a radio operator. Um, when I became a radio operator, that's when I was sent to Korea, which was like I said, was around 95, 94, 95. And my experience in Korea was something that actually still is still embedded in me today because I, I had to. I had to really depend on again. You know, my comrades to the left and right of me of being there. Being a single African American woman in a foreign country, Mm -hmm. I cannot speak the language at the time. I now speak a little Korean, not much, Um, but not able to speak the language. So that that language barrier was there, and it was it was a challenge. But it was a challenge that I was able to accept and and make good on because while i was there i instead of me you know being negative if you will or having a negative attitude towards the community i instead embraced them and i said you know what i'm going to learn as much as i can about the people who we are working with because a lot of times we would do um actual you know training events with the Koreans with the, you know, with the Korean army. So you couldn't have that, that, you know, space in your heart of, you know, well, I don't know who you are. You can't speak to me. I can't speak to you. There was, you know, that it couldn't be there. You had to figure out how to work together in a way that was respectful to each other. So I think, you know, again, any woman who is listening to our, our podcast here, I would say, you know, there's always something that you can learn from every Um, ethnicity, bottom line. There's always something you can learn and something you can take with you, um, you know, forward. And what was so wonderful about it was, is that I had the opportunity to go out into the community. I would go to Seoul. Um, I, you know, I would go and hang out and just understand the culture. I remember very clearly so as you went further north in korea i did not north korea I want to make that clear but as you went further north from i was in south korea i was stationed in taegu as i went further up going towards seoul there were a lot of koreans at the time who had never seen an african american woman in in person they would come up to me and touch me and touch my skin and go you are so beautiful i didn't you know are you are you colored or they didn't under, they didn't know the words to say one woman said you look like whitney houston um, at the time when Whitney Houston was a, a very big deal. And she was, she pointed at me and said, Whitney Houston? I said, no, no. And I was like, Raquel. And But again, there, it was that language barrier. But it, it wasn't a rude. If they weren't rude and I wasn't rude to them, it was just they didn't know. And so a lot of times I would get on the trains and I'd be the only black person on the train. And it's just this little spot in the middle of all these Koreans. And they're all looking at me like, who is this person? And I was okay with it. It was really interesting. I guess I just kind of had that that attitude and i don't i really don't i guess i got that from my grandmother that i just embraced everyone and i was like hey i'm with you you tell a hey, and if you can't beat them join them so i went and i learned you know the the foods uh, bugogi is still my favorite favorite food Bugogi and rice which is basically like a um a beef and a, and a rice together mixed um and mm-hmm. it's just wonderful when i go to you know, Korean restaurants or I go to beauty supply places that have, you know, Koreans who, you know, Koreans who are, who own it. I speak a little bit in Korean to them. I get 30% off my extensions. It works. <laughs> <laughs> you, you learn the language, people learn the language of other people. They, res- they appreciate that and respect it. So went to Korea, learned that lesson of, of again, if you can't beat them, join them. understand the culture, be respectful to the culture, um, and the, the other thing, too, is, you know, when I left there from there, that's when I got the ROTC scholarship and I went to Hampton University and um, I, I majored in psychology. Uh, and one of the reasons I, I majored in psychology was because even though I, I really wanted to go into photojournalism or journalism itself, I decided to go into uh, psychology because unfortunately my mother was having a lot of challenges mentally and I didn't understand what she was going through. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, it was heartbreaking and there are a lot of things that I will probably take to my grave uh, that she, you know, that she uh, had or that she did to me from a, from a mental perspective and Mm -hmm. physical perspective. It was just, um, a lot of abuse verbal and, and and physical abuse and I didn't understand it when I moved with her when I turned 7 I moved with her and so I I had to do that for my sanity I had to go and learn about psychology and understand the mind and understand why people do what they do I had to do it for my sanity so I went to I went to Hampton graduated in with honors I'm I'm very happy to say that I graduated with honors uh, in their ROTC program. I, I I graduated second in a class and, and, um, then I went on to become an ordinance officer. So don't understand why I got ordinance. Um, I, I still never understood that, but it ended up working out for the best, but with being an ordinance officer, I really wanted, again, I wanted to go into public affairs, so you write up on this list about all the things that you want, you know, that you want your, your first, you know, your first choice, your second choice, your third choice. And my first choice was public affairs. I ended up getting ordinance and I found out later on down the line that the women who were at the top of their class and who were at the top of, you know, their PT test their physical fitness tests who were doing really great and who were African-American, they were pulling us, they were basically flagging us because they needed more African-American women who were at the top of their game in the ordinance field. I didn't know that at the time. So keep that in mind um, ladies, if you decide that you want to, you know, partake in, you know, ROTC at a school, keep in mind that if you put choices down, you may not necessarily get them because the army is going to, or military is going to put you where they need you. That's true. You have, you've got to make sure that you understand that that could happen. You want this, but it happened for me, um, to end up getting an ordinance, um, but it was one of the best things in my life because I met my husband. So hey, we'll take it. <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> so, it, um, so it worked out down the line. And then I ended up going to. So once I graduated from Hampton, I again had to give them, you know, four years of active duty service. So I went and I was stationed at Fort Benning for four years. Ordinance officer. And then that's when I got into photography again, even though I was still in, I, my love was still photojournalism. It was still photography. And so what I started to do, um, when I, when at the end of like, let's say like that in 2000, maybe 1999, 1999, close to 2000, I started to drive up to Atlanta on the weekends and shoot models and shoot actors and celebrities. I just started to start my business before I even got out the military, so I was doing that on the weekends. So I had my side hustle, if you will, on the on the mm. weekends. And then I sent my first I sent my first photo off to Jet magazine for their Jet Beauty of the Week. I don't know if you a, a, a lot of the podcast listeners know about Jet magazine, but there was a, a African American magazine that was huge. It's like an Essence, but it was just a smaller version, a weekly. It yes a weekly news magazine if you will and in the middle of it they always had the jet beauty of the week so i sent off my first jet beauty her name was randy dorsey still my best friend to this day um and i photographed her i sent her photo in and they replied and said we accepted and we're paying you for it i was like yes oh that must have felt amazing yes and then Nine years, for nine years, I shot for Jet Magazine. Starting from like 2000 to 2009, I shot for Jet Magazine. So if you go through any of the old magazines between 2000 and 2009, you'll see Raquel Riley. I wasn't at the, well, before I got, well, there's some that say Thomas, I think. I think they do say Riley Thomas, like maybe after 2006. But for the most part, Raquel Riley or Raquel Riley Thomas, you will see a lot of the photos that I shot were, um, a lot of the photos were, that that I shot, yes. So for nine years I was the only African American female photographer for Jet magazine shooting their Jet Beauty of the Weeks. Wow, that's incredible. That <laughs> I I probably saw some of your work. Yes,
0: yes, yes. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yes. So and also it's really cool that you were doing this as a side hustle. Yes. Before you were even out of the military because yes. I noticed in the veterans that I talked to that if you start something before you get out, your transition seems to be a bit smoother. It's easier.
1: It Mm -hmm. is easier. Uh, Even though everyone doesn't want you to get out, um, I I was getting all kinds of conversations from the head honchos, the heavy brass. When I say heavy brass, I mean the colonels and so forth. And no one wanted you to get out because of course, you know, the military put time and effort into you and, you know, Mm -hmm. to get to where you were. And plus, you you know, they paid for you to go to school and I got all that, but I felt my time was up. And I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. I really uh, wanted to be my own boss. And I felt that I had to go back to something that I loved, which was photography. And so when I got out the military, I literally just transitioned right into that business of um, I bought a house in Atlanta. I had my whole garage revamped so that it'd be a photography studio. And I was shooting and and I was shooting a lot um, because I just, you know, put my cards together. <laughs> I did my own marketing, put my cards together. So I've been doing this for a long time. So if I had, look, so if my graphic artist is not around, I can handle it. Get <laughs> <Got> it. it. <got laughs> no problem. It. I got you. We go ahead and get, go ahead and pull out my, my stencil. So um but I was, you know, I started you know, started my business with the Jet Beauties and then I started shooting a lot of um again, a lot of the the models and a lot of the um the celebrities in the area. And what was interesting is, so there's this really cool thing in model, in modeling agencies where you, you as a photographer can go in and you can put your stuff on their plate and say, Hey, look, you know, I want to be your referral photographer. So any model that comes in, that's new, send her to me. And that's a a nice chunk of change. If you think about all the models that they have coming in Mm -hmm. their agencies, you get four or five agencies on your side and you become one of their referral photographers You could really make a great living off of that. So I went in to Elite Modeling Agency. They are one of the top modeling agencies in the world. They still are. Yes. To Elite Atlanta. I walked in had you know I already had my appointment with one of the, the agents I sat down I gave her my pitch I told her who I was what I've done showed her all my photography and she looked at my stuff and she said these are great they're beautiful I'm thinking in the back of my head great I'm about to get this on their referral list she's like but I'm actually more interested in you I said what she goes how tall are you I said five nine she goes you're beautiful and I want you as a commercial model in our agent Oh, remember, said, <laughs> You can't make this kind of stuff up. I promise you. <laughs> I tell you, I have God is on my side. I literally <laughs> walked in there thinking I was going to be a photographer on their referral list. She's she took me over to her name was Victoria Dura. She she still knows us to this day. If you could get her on the podcast, you're like, yep, she's you know, right. <laughs> so she took me over to Kitty Bunny. Kitty um, Bundy was the commercial agent. She looked at me and said, "Yes, she is beautiful." Sign here. So I sat there, went through all the paperwork, and left out of there as a commercial model with one of the (laughs) top agents in the world. I'm still stunned. Like, how did that happen?
0: (laughs) That is incredible,
1: crazy. So I was, I was one of the few models who did, who was on both sides. Most of the time, most photographers didn't really respect models who were photographers, and then vice versa. And I just happen to have the respect of both sides because I literally went to school for photography when I was in the mm-hmm. army and then to be picked up by one of the top agencies in the world. I mean, you know, you can't really knock me for that. So, so do your homework. ladies. Do your homework. If you want, <laughs> if you want to get in an industry, know the industry, you know, when you're transitioning out, know the industry that you want to get in. Don't let anyone tell you that you cannot do it. You can do it. You can make this happen. Put your. What I always tell people is put their invisible headphones on and focus on your dreams, what really makes you excited about living. And if you get up every morning and you're excited about X, whatever X is, go for it.
0: Keep doing it absolutely that's beautiful advice and so this is how your transition out of the military went really smoothly did you did you come across any obstacles after getting out
1: you know it's interesting the military is very disciplined of course as as you all would expect and so we to a certain degree we lived a little bit in a bubble when I say that, I mean in the, in the terms of we – I didn't really get out in the civilian community too much except maybe perhaps to go to the store or um, I didn't really hang out with mm-hmm. the, the civilian world. So it was – it's very structured in the military. And so to get out in the, in the civilian world, there was no structure everything was just, hey, we'll just do what we want to do to a certain degree. I mean of course you have your laws, you know, set in place, but I'm talking about just the day-to-day activities of what people were doing and I had to get used to that. And I I also had to tone it down a little bit. I think I, I think I still have a little bit of the cadence voice, if you will. It's hard to get rid of it because once you've had to, you know, Run for six miles, and you have to call cadence for four of them. <laughs> it just is mm-hmm. hard. To, it's hard to get rid of that. You know, speaking from that, from that deep down inside of the gut of your stomach. So I think for me, I think the the biggest challenge was just understanding that not everyone in the civilian world um, thinks like you do. You have to really understand that the, the military life is truly a mindset of its own, and it's not going to change. And you have to understand that when you go into the civilian world and you can't come across as being, you know, this is what's going to happen. We're going to make this happen now. And just because I said, so it, you can't have that kind of attitude because you will actually, it, you will seem to be very intimidating towards people. And because of that, they'll shy away from you. And they'll think you're crazy. And, and the challenge is the other challenge too, is, is that everyone who, I met who was a civilian and I told them I had been in military. They automatically thought that I was like some psycho, you know, gun toting woman who had PTSD or whatever have you. Like they just Mm -hmm. automatically assumed that those were the type of things that I did. So I started to change my look a little bit more. Um, I started to, you know, I, I used to always have my hair pulled back in a ponytail. And even when I got out, I was still wearing it like that. I started to really become more, I really wanted to make sure that I looked more feminine um, the military has a, you know, of, of course has that, that structure of, you know, hair pulled back, you know, off your collar and no makeup and no lashes and no nails and so forth. Like they, they want to really keep you as, you know, as plain Jane as possible. And so I started to change my look more so than ever. And I think um, that helped to being, becoming a model because then I, I was able to to play in that new box of being wow. very feminine and being girly and I appreciated it and I will always always have respect for for the modeling agency and the modeling world for giving me that opportunity to be girly. It was so nice to to not have to be in such a, a structured disciplined environment. So there's there's pros and cons to it. It's like when you realize that you have to, you know, tone it down a little bit. But at the same time, you can still be more feminine and you can play in pink and you can play in red and you can, you know, you can wear frilly stuff. It just becomes fun. And I just feel like, you know, I think we should make it more fun when we get out versus, you know, trying to still be in the military when you're in a civilian world. It just doesn't work that well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I mean,
0: you just you a lot of us need like that, that change. You know yes. that we get so used to that military look and that lifestyle that when we come out, we forget how fun it is to be super feminine, yes, and girly and stuff, and get your makeup on get and wear your, your hair done,
1: right? get your yeah, nails, get
0: your nails long, <laughs> you know. Yes.
1: So it's fun to do. Yes, earrings with hoops in them. Yes, absolutely. Long hair because you can. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I, will wear, I will wear extensions until I die. I told them, I said, when I, when I leave this earth, my hair better be down to my rear end. <laughs> in that coffin. <laughs> That's right. I, fe- I feel that. I feel that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. With my Chanel Ooh. suit on, too. Ray right, as beautiful as
0: possible. You need one pretty corpse in there, I'm Exactly. (laughs) That's how I want to be remembered. Right. Exactly. So so you were modeling. How did you how did you go from that? And you were also an entrepreneur because you you so you're an entrepreneur at this time. You were a photographer and also a model with one of the top companies in the world. Yes. Very familiar with Elite and they do amazing work. And so how did you get into, um, your
1: production company and how did you develop that? Did the, did that come after the pageant? It did. It did. So, um, around 2005, um, I, we, my husband and I, well, then fiance moved up here to the DC metro area. And when we moved up here, I was still doing photography in Atlanta, but it was just becoming a little bit more, um, of a task because even though my business was set up there, I just really was not interested in trying to continue to do that traveling. It was tough. And then I got pregnant uh, with my first daughter. And so that was like a whole nother, you know, set of um, challenges that I needed to deal with. And I was like, you know, trying to bring her and then trying to take the equipment. It was just too much because Mm -hmm. then I was like, I had to keep equipment in a storage area because I didn't want to have storage down there, storage up here. So from a logistical standpoint, it just wasn't making any sense. It made more sense if I just, you know, started up here. I decided to uh, to stop doing professional photography up here, uh, but I still wanted to stay in production. I still loved being behind the camera. I know that that sounds really crazy being a being a former model, um, but it, it's really interesting. Even though being in front of the model, if, I'm sorry, being in front of a wonderful thing, and I, I think it's it's awesome. I really, really, really enjoy being behind the camera and making people look amazing. I love that, and and will and it will always be a part of me. So when I got up here and we and we settled in and so forth, I went on ahead and um, started, you know, taking care of my daughter. You know, we you know we we moved into a different house. You know, we just got you know the family together. One day when my daughter was about three. Before my, I even started my company, I, had, so I was in lull in, in during this time frame. Um, I, th- I shut down photography by Raquel, and I had not started an officer and gentlewoman yet. Um, I was kind of like, like I said, I was in that mommy mode at that, at that time. She was around three. And she said, how come none of these princesses look like me? And she was looking through these DVDs that were in front of her. back. It, hopefully, everybody knows what a DVD is. I know it's been a, a <laughs> yeah. in, front of her, in front of her DVD player. And she said, I don't see anybody who looks like me. Something to that effect, I don't remember the exact words. It's been a long time. I still have mommy brain. But I remember giving her some BS answer. And I said something to the effect of, oh, baby, you're so beautiful. I mean, that's not a big deal. And she just kind of gave me this look like, I know you're lying to me. But you know, she's three, so she didn't really know how to, to express herself. But Mm. it it stuck with me. I mean, it really stuck with me. And I knew in the back of my head that I was going to have to fix that one day. And I was washing clothes, didn't know how I was going to do this. And all of a sudden, a few months later, it was either Miss America or Miss Universe that came on. I think it was Miss Universe because of the time of the year, but it might've been Miss America. I can't remember which one it was, but I said, that's it. I'm getting in a pageant. Daggone it, if, if my daughter doesn't see you know disney princesses why well, i shouldn't use disney because i don't want them to you know to throw rocks at me but if they don't see princesses <laughs> that look like if she doesn't see princesses that look like her on these dvds then i'm gonna be her princess so you know that whole military if i if you can't do it for i'm gonna do it for, for you know for uh, I, love so that. <laughs> I was so i said i told my husband i said i'm gonna get in a pageant he looked at me like what <laughs> I'm getting in a pageant. So I went online and I was like, I'm you know, I'm gonna get in the Miss America pageant because you know, I, I think I look okay and I think I still got the body for it. I've been working out. Miss America said, uh, and no, you are married and you have kids and you are aged out. So it was a no across the board. So I kept looking and found Mrs. America. Mrs. America is for women who are married, who can have kids. You don't necessarily have to have kids and there is no age limit. It was Hmm. perfect for me. Now, here's the crazy part about this. When I decided to go do this, I'm living in Maryland. I decided to get into the Mrs. Maryland America pageant in 2010, and I decided this in February of 2010. The pageant was in June. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, Oh my gosh. February, March, April, Major. Four months, probably like three and some change if you really look at it. But three and a half to four months, I had to get ready for a pageant I knew knew nothing about, but I was determined. And I said, I'm going to do this for my daughter. And I said, if I win this crown, I will give you this crown. And she said, Okay. So so I prepped. I told my husband what I was going to do. He said, Now let me go ahead and let you know my husband is a. What he was a West Point grad. Number one, number two, he played Army football on the winningest team in history of West Point. So understand his my mindset goodness. when he told me this. He said, "Are you gonna pre- are you gonna really do it?" I said, "Yes." He said, "Okay, you're gonna have to prep." So he took me through drills for four months. Couldn't stand him for four months. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but I but I look good on stage though. Woo! I look good on stage. So I went to the pageant one, not only did I win, I won, um, fitness. I won the f- fitness award and that felt made me feel really good because I had a eight month old Sophia Aww, was eight months. That's amazing. So, so, so Maria's three and Sophia's eight months. I, and please don't quote me on these, these, uh, numbers. Cause I, again, mommy brain, but I think she was around eight months. She had just, I think she was just turning one around the pageant time. She was just turning one, but I had to practice, of course, up to that point. Mm -hmm. So it made me feel good because I, I was able to go back to my military discipline. So that is one of, that's another key point here that I want to let your, 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 uh, your, I'm sorry, your listeners know is that go back to what you know, that was good in your life. And I knew that that discipline of being in the military, I, I took that and brought it into the pageant world and i used it to my advantage i knew how to write what i needed to write marketing i knew how to speak well i knew how to stand tall look good kick butt i knew how to stand you know i knew how to dress right dress i knew how to make sure that my you know my whole outfits looked nice even though they weren't necessarily ex, you know that expensive like some of the other pageant girls i took what i had in my closet and I got it, um, you know, got it tapered and, you know, made sure that everything looked great on me when I was on stage. Not because I thought I was better then, but because I knew this is what I knew. This is how I I knew how to transition from, from being in the military to being in the pageant world. There wasn't really a big difference because there's still disciplines in the in the pageant world that people are, a little afraid of. And instead of them embracing it, they want to talk about pageants in a negative form. And it's like, no, actually you have to be very disciplined to be in pageantry because there are things that you, you need to look a certain way. They want you to speak a certain way. They want you to stand tall. They want you to look good. You have to have confidence on, on the stage. And so all those things I embrace from being in the military, especially being an officer um, because you have to stand and give briefs a lot in the military. So again, I was able to, you know, when they started asking me questions in the interview, I went right back to, you know, the things that I did in the military and I was able to speak, you know, speak about, you know, speak about the things that I loved with confidence. And then my platform was veterans employment. I love that. (laughs) So I won that. Oh, so I won that contest. I won the Mrs. Maryland America 2010. I then went to the national pageant. So the Mrs. Maryland America, of course, was the state level. The next level was the national level. And the national level was the Mrs. America pageant. So that pageant was in August. So I went to that pageant and I, fir- I won first runner up. I was the first, first runner up of Maryland ever in the 40 plus history of the pageant. And I was the first African American to hit first runner up. Wow, just making history. (laughs) That's incredible. They ended up selecting their first actual national winner uh, in 2014. Her name is Austin Williams. And she told me here recently, she said, you know, you cracked the ceiling so I could get through. And I almost just broke down because I had felt so bad about losing at that point. And she said, no, that's, she was like, you did that. But we were able to you know we able we were able to get through, and I got us through and I you know gave fist bumps and hugged and cried, and it was really cool it oh, so beautiful, I could drop a tear myself <laughs> so after i after i was i got out of the pageant i mean you know after I was done with the pageant, um I still loved it i just I loved the atmosphere, I loved the girliness about it, um mm-hmm. and I loved what what it meant and the owner, David Marmel, he just really emphasized the, the part about married women are the backbone and we really are backbones of our, of our families. And we have to be able to do everything. We have to be doctors. We have to be attorneys. We have to be, you know, we have to you know, be psychologists. I mean, it's, we have to be everything for our families. And so I had so much respect for the organization. I kept talking about it on, you know, social media and just really, t- you know, giving it, you know, kudos. And then they reached out to me and they said, Hey, do you want to be a judge for the next year? And I was like, what's a judge at the national passion? Heck yeah, I'll be there. And the woman that we selected went on to win Mrs. World. So I kind of give myself a little pat on the back for that because I feel like, hey, I knew how to pick.
0: Um, (laughs) Great.
1: They called me a few weeks later after judging because they still saw how excited I was about the whole pageant thing. And they said, hey, you know, DC is up for sale. Would you want to buy it? It took me three days to make a decision, but I said yes. Now, just for those who don't understand, in our organization, in the, in the Mrs. America organization, all the states run their own. So you have people who own production companies who own the rights, the license the, the, license and the um, for the franchise itself. So D.C. was up for sale and i bought the um i bought the license and i started running dc so that's when i started an officer and gentlewoman llc because i wanted to make sure that my production company you know was able to produce the show um we are now producing the show we started you know we started the show back in 2012 well we did our first show in 2012 and we had maybe um i think five contestants I had no sponsors, no, no contestants, anything when I first started it. And we had five contestants, but and it was myself and my best friend Randy flew up here. <laughs> oh. I, yeah, the one who I shot for Jet Magazine, she flew mm-hmm. up here and we put the we put that whole pageant on by ourselves. Wow. I wrote the whole script myself, um, and we put it on by ourselves, and now I am um, happy to announce that we are in our second year at the Kennedy Center, April 4th,
0: 2021. Wow. Congratulations. Thank
1: you. That
0: is amazing. So we're at I, the Kennedy Center. <laughs> I mean, I said amazing when I said you were
1: amazing. I was not lying. Oh, that is so great. I've just been so blessed, so blessed. It's it's been it's just been a, a wild ride, but it's a it's a I'm I'm an optimist. I've always been an optimist. So at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, we're going to figure out another way to do it. And again, I learned that from being in the military because, you know, when things didn't work out one way, you always had to have a plan B and plan C and D might be sitting back there too as well. So (laughs) if it doesn't work this way, we got to figure out something because we're not going home. (laughs) That's how I, that's how I, that's how I deal with this. Hey, if it doesn't work, we're going to fix it.
0: Mm-hmm. we solve problems
1: we at the Center April 4th 2020 if you have anyone who is in the DC metro area please feel free to come out to our pageant I would love to have more military women civilians too as well I mean it doesn't matter um it'll be a packed house and I'm very excited about it I'm excited for the women who are in the pageant um their you know their faces are just as lively as as mine was when I you know started in pageantry so yes I'm excited for them
0: that is amazing
1: and will you give me the date one more time april 4th 2020 at 7 p.m at the kennedy center and uh we'll have a good time and we're also going to go have a, a an off uh, have a party afterwards so mm that sounds amazing yes.
0: so um I am so excited for that I have got to check my calendar and see if I can get away because I love me a pageant too <laughs> so and much. you can dress up and be yes. girly look get mm-hmm.
1: some
0: lashes yes <laughs> my favorite thing to do is to get all dolled up and to find an excuse to do it mm, makes me so happy
1: It's the greatest <laughs> excuse to dress yes. up I love it
0: Yes. I'm and like, so, baby, I gotta go
1: get my hair done. Yeah, I got a pageant coming up. <laughs> <and> beauty day. <laughs> yes, beauty day. I, have a maintenance week. I actually do. I actually have a maintenance week each year. I mean, I'm sorry, not each year. Each month, I have a beauty week. So I go get my hair done, my nails done, my lashes done, everything done once a month. I know, crazy, but it's true. Well,
0: I, I I'm I'm feeling that because I'm on a rotation myself of getting yes. everything taken care it, of because you know it. what? My kids Don't are getting care. bigger and I like to feel very glamorous but for me Yes. It's just for me. So these yeah. things I always say, self care is so important. It and is. a lot of times when we're coming through like trauma or we're we're healing from whatever life has thrown at us, or we're just a mom who just has been so busy taking care of their babies that we kind of forget about how important our self care is. And self-care might be different to everyone some people yes. it might be meditation yoga for me i it's all of those things and getting yes. my and yes. getting fixed up get my nails done you know getting waxed yes. like all of those things that make me feel beautiful to me yes. and um and i i'm about that life too so i am feeling <laughs> <being DDV. laughs> seriously so okay so You know what? I think it's about that time that we're going to wrap it up, but I have a few more questions for you. If you don't mind. Sure. go. Okay, great. So tell me, I just have to ask, how do you find the girls for the
1: pageants? How do I find the girls for the pageant? Actually, it's pretty easy now because social media is such a huge uh, platform for us now. And, Mm -hmm we put the ads out. We let everyone, you know, a lot of it's, it's, you know, it's word of mouth. Of course it's ads that we put out there. Sometimes I'll see somebody in a store and I'll stalk them a little bit. They think I'm crazy. I'm like, you're gorgeous. And they are like, Oh, okay. I'm like, no, I'm a a pageant director. This is, here's my card. They're like, Oh, okay. You really think I am? And then all of a sudden it's in their heads now because Mm -hmm. even they might not, you know, think about it right then and there. The next year, they're like you. You know, you happen to, you know, stop me in a store, and I saw you, and I thought you were crazy, but then, <laughs> and then I realized that you were a pageant. She's like, you know, a pageant, a pageant queen, and so forth. And I looked you up, and you're amazing, and they, you know, give me all that so forth, and then they end up you know, getting in the pageant. And then you have them, those who, you know, other queens talk to other queens, and I think, you know, the other thing too is realistically, we are. Our pageant is very disciplined. Um, and when I say that, I mean in a sense of we're very fair. There's no there's no pageant rigging in my pageant. We're not doing that. That's what Mm -hmm. we're not gonna do. If you win, you have won fair and square. And I think over the years, those whispers of it being that type of pageant have gotten out into the community. They women know that when you get in our pageant you are going to have a fair shot just like everyone else. And the great thing is is that our pageant goes 25 miles outside of D.C. So if you live or work within a 25-mile radius of D.C., you can still get in our pageant. So we have women who who come from Virginia and who come from Maryland who may live or work in those areas and can still be in our pageant and represent D.C. But I think the biggest thing is is that we are – you know, we, again, we are disciplined. We're fun, um, at the same time, but you know, I am tough on our contestants. I want to make sure that you understand that I don't want you to leave this pageant with the sense of I lost. I want you to leave this pageant of I've learned something. I'm going to take this particular, um, tool that I learned from here and I'm going to go out and continue to do great things. You are, I tell women all the time, you are a voice in this community and you are an inspiration to someone, and to someone you may not even know. Mm-hmm. So you are, again, as, as as stated before, you are breaking that ceiling so someone else could get through. It could be a little girl who is looking at you to see if maybe you um, could be their inspiration. You just never know who's looking at you from a positive perspective. And if you are interested in a pageant, do it because there's so many <clears throat> there's so many wonderful opportunities that can happen in pageantry. I am thumbs up for it. (laughs) Well, I will say this,
0: you know, just the fact of being on that stage and just sharing your platform is so inspirational. You just, you don't ever know who you're going to inspire. It is the exact same thing. I tell my guests when they come on to this podcast, Sure, because everyone, everyone, has an opportunity to be an inspiration by sharing their story here. And you have been so inspirational today. I think many people listening, just hearing your journey would feel so inspired by everything that you've accomplished in your life. And you're still so young. So, um, my birthday is in two weeks. (laughs) And, Happy birthday. Birthday. <laughs> and, um, and I'm so glad that you came on here and shared your story with me. It's such a privilege to I be a do. part of that. And so I have just a couple more questions. Sure. Tell me what advice do you have for our veteran sisters so that they may thrive in life the way you have?
1: I think the key is, is whatever it is that you love to do. If someone couldn't pay you to do the job, would you still do it? Whatever that is, whatever lights that fire in your, in your heart and in your soul and your eyes light up when you talk about this particular subject, whatever it is, go ahead and put a plan together. Go look at the other subject matter experts in your field. Follow steps that they follow and continue to thrive. Um, I just so happened here recently I, I had the wonderful opportunity of graduating um, from Harvard online business school uh, one of the, I was certified in one of their um, classes um, Mastery of negotiation and there was a lot of people who were in there who you know had you know long Ye- I mean, just years of experience in business, but they needed to, you know, a- again, they needed to learn from the subject matter experts. So it's key that you do what you love. Don't turn back and learn from the subject matter experts and have fun doing it. That's the mandatory fun. That's what I call it. <laughs> I love that. I am actually going to take that
0: advice myself mandatory on fun. mandatory fun. And I yes. will tell you this, um, this podcast I'll do for free because of what it means to me to do and to provide Your a eyes light up yeah. for women like yourself yeah. to share their stories that it might help one person Yes. any of the stories that come on this podcast that the women share with me, my veteran sisters, it's such a privilege and I always get the best advice. So I feel really blessed and I, and it's so much fun. And the same thing with coaching for the London Reel for podcasting and working with wow. Rose, I would do that for free. It's so much fun. So I absolutely support that advice. That is amazing advice. Um, everybody should take it. And you you just heard why you have had such an incredible journey and have been so successful. So absolutely amazing advice. Thank Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: And where can all of the listeners find you? Now, I'll put all the links in the show notes in the description box, of course. But if you would tell us where we can find you if we want to learn more about you and find out about the pageants and just yes. follow you on social.
1: So there's the, this is a twofold. So the business address is A O A G W. LLC, so an officer and gentlewoman LLC, so AOA GW LLC. This is if you want to know about the pageants, and again, there's set, um, seven subsidiaries in my company. So, if there's, you know, we have Little Miss North America, you know, for for the little girls, seven to twelve years old. We have Miss DC, you know, women who are single, and single means never married, widowed, divorced, legally separated. Okay. We also have, you know, Raquel Riley Thomas um, Image Consulting, which is me, of course. And that is when you, can, if you want to say, well, you know what, Raquel, I love the pageant stuff and so forth, but I really need some, um, I need some tips or inspiration, or I need you to go in my closet and fix my closet and so forth. Then that's when you reach out to me um, as RaquelRileyThomas.com, and it all links. So start off with an Officer and Gentlewoman LLC, and then the links will go; will take you directly to where you want to go. And then on Instagram, if you want to just follow me, it's Raquel Riley Thomas. I'm easy. If you want to follow me on Face Facebook, Raquel Riley Thomas. If you want to follow the company, it's AOAGW LLC on both Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So I tried to keep everything easy, so mm-hmm. <laughs> you can find me. But I would love to have your listeners, you know, follow me on 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 uh, Instagram because I have the um, opportunity to talk to you guys too as well. So yeah
0: that's amazing I definitely follow you and love your posts so I think everyone should do the same thing Um, and because we're all veteran sisters and we should support each other Uh, and what we're doing and just see each other thrive I feel like so I just have to thank you so very much for your time I know we're both busy moms and we're both doing so many things and I mean I just appreciate it so much for you to come and be on my podcast and share your story You're such an incredible woman and i am so glad to have connected with you so thank you
1: thank you too you are so amazing and thank you for doing this too and having this platform for us to speak and tell our story we appreciate it so much thank you
0: and with that i'm gonna wrap it up so i'm gonna just say thank you so much for listening i appreciate you guys so much i love you guys and i'll talk to you next time